All right, welcome back to another episode of Life Between the Six with Cody Cropper, your host, Brandon. And Cody, back to the guest bench. We got another one. Yes. Dylan Powers. Welcome, my friend. What's up, guys? Happy to be on. Looking forward to uh, some good chats. Yes. So you're teammates with Dylan right now, known the man for a long time. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Probably, what, over 10 years now. I would say I was trying to remember exactly which like camps and stuff we were at. Yeah. I mean, under your under 20 cycle. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So what was that? 2010 maybe. Yeah. So 12, 13 years off and on played against each other a few times played with each other, you know, here and there. So you said his under 20, you said his under 20 cycle. What does that mean for you? The, The, I played in two. So I was the backup goalkeeper in his under 20 cycle as an 18 year old, as an 18 year old. And I played in two as well. There you go. Look at that. My, my cycle didn't make it to the world cup or the one before we did. Yeah. And then I was part of his cycle, which didn't make it. And then my cycle did make it. And then we got (laughs) schlacked. We got schlacked in Turkey by France we tied 1-1. We got beat by Spain 4-0, and we got beat by Ghana 4-0 in the group stage. Yeah. That was fun. It was a we lot of fun. Have, we didn't have the best World Cup either. It <laughs> 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 started off with a 3-0 loss to Germany. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. That's a tough opening tough. game at any level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm, it is. So. Yeah, so this will be fun. Uh, obviously, teammates right now in in Orange County, um, long time MLS players, a lot of experience. So this will be good to get a rundown. This is uh, let me just triple check real quick. Yep, game week five of the MLS season. Uh, yes. Dylan, I was kind of telling Cody it's been a season. I haven't watched a lot of MLS in my time, and him and Eli Lesser from this week in MLS told me this is going to be one of the greatest seasons ever. And if by great you mean completely unpredictable, then yes, we've absolutely nailed it because all of our predictions are already upside down. Is yeah. that how you know the MLS that you can win or lose every single week, no matter what? Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if that's something about American soccer in general, but like that's definitely, definitely the case. That you always felt like anybody can beat anybody on any given day. I don't know what, like if that's if that's what you think too, Cody, but. Yeah. I mean, I think there are so many factors that come into soccer in America, especially professionally, just because no other league in the world deals with playing on both grass and turf, as well as the possibility of one hour flights or six hour flights, depending on who you, where you are in the country and who you're playing that weekend. Yeah. You know, there's so many factors that come into play that impact a team's performance on any given weekend. Grass versus turf. Yeah. Yep. Do you feel like there's more parity in in this league than in others? Yes. Um, I mean, you look at the way it's been built, like with a single in a single entity fashion, and there's always been a bit of a redistribution of you know, with the draft and, and other allocation money, there's always been a redistribution to the bottom. And I wonder if, although it may not seem like it, if there is just genuinely more parity between clubs and that's what makes it, you know, so competitive. Yeah, I I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I also think the salary cap, yeah, you know, that creates a lot of parity. Um, 
Kind of. Because yeah. the DPs are very particular where they go. Very particular and, and very different. And different teams are willing to spend different amounts on DPs and then spend different amounts of TAM money, right? So now it's, I don't know, it's getting a little funny for me with the whole TAM and GAM and all this nonsense, but I don't know. It's yeah. uh, It's definitely more of a level playing field. However... X amount of factors impact any given weekend. Yeah. I do feel like the inequality, like the financial inequality since they've introduced TAM and the DPs and and GAM has, has definitely um, risen. I think I haven't seen Mm -hmm. the actual paper, but I wonder how, how big that gap will eventually be. Like it will, will it eventually get to like, there's one team spending, you know, a hundred million and one spending seven. Yeah. I think so. I think if as long as the league allows teams to get away with it, especially favored teams, because we both know that there are teams that get away with a lot more than other franchises. And 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 that was even before COVID and the like the renegotiation of the CBA. I mean, I can remember being told by uh, the player liaisons in New England that LA Galaxy would uh, get away with more travel, more chartered flights than any other team. And then they would hold new England accountable for their six. Cause you were given six before COVID six legs and new or uh, and new England would use six and they would be told you can't use any more, yeah. but LA galaxy would somehow get like 12. Yeah. And nobody would say anything to them. So you're sitting there like, well, how does that make sense? Yeah, you always hear things like that, yeah. and I wonder like how exactly how what the numbers look like. But I think yeah. it just shows that it's just like any other organization, or like there's different powers and different bigger bigger players that kind of maybe sure. pull more weight. So, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it is a fascinating league, especially as an outsider like coming in to learn about it. It is built different. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, expansion teams coming in. Uh, you know, the requirements like. If you were there 10 years ago versus coming in today, it's a completely different ball game and uh, less parody. But I tell you what, it is creating a heck of a lot of drama on the field, uh, which which we've been able to pick through. So, guys, I want to pick your brains on four games today specifically. And I want to start right away uh, with Columbus versus Atlanta. Columbus Crew 6, Atlanta United 1. Uh, as we look at the form guide, uh, it, Atlanta United were riding hot. They're one of our best teams. They were undefeated, three wins and a draw coming into this one. On the flip side, Columbus had only won one game with a draw and two losses. So here's the weird part about all this. It's an international break, except for in the MLS. We play through it, baby. No days yep. off. Such an American yep. mentality, apparently. And Atlanta United, you could say, is quite pissed about it uh, yeah. because they were they lost uh, obviously Almada, Machop Chol, uh, Etienne Jr., Jacumakis, Hernandez, and Robinson. Oh, yeah. and seven Luis players. Yeah. Seven players. Let's see. And two the of them. Two of them are straight up the spine: Almeida and and Robinson. And then the Columbus Crew had Degenek, Room, and Zellerian. So they, you know, had half the people out. So anyways, mm-hmm. what is 
like, what do you guys think as players about international breaks in the middle of the season and equality for, for these games to be played? Personally, I think this year specifically, the league is, is pushing through, is pushing through international breaks solely because of the fact that they've now added leagues cup. So they are struggling to find dates or times in which they can get the the demand of games or the schedule of games in and this is one of the ways that they're going to be able to accomplish this yeah i um uh, i think that i didn't i i guess it's always seems i've always wondered like how like how they could do it without it and it seems like this year in particular because of the league's cup it's like maybe they don't you know they don't have a choice um mm-hmm. but i've always wondered what you know how much choice they actually have in in making that um a reality for players but personally like i always i i kind of like it you know i think there's yeah there is that argument that all the stars are out but on the on the other side of it like you can kind of see the un, like the full roster of a team and like what the entire team is capable of. If, if there's a good culture at a team and, and guys who don't play much get an opportunity and they know, you know, they can be counted on and they can follow through with what the, the norm is like, that's really cool to see. And I think it does give players who don't always get to shine an opportunity to, you know, a, a few more opportunities throughout the year that they might not get otherwise. So from that perspective, like I kind of, I kind of love it. It's, it's basically yeah. the opposite argument, but it's. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a great point. It shows the depth of different organizations. Like for example, in this case, Atlanta, one of the hottest teams they're off in the first four games, they're off to their best start in MLS history, which is a fascinating statistic because of the team that they were in their first two years with, Joseph Martinez and mm-hmm. Almarone. Now they're better, but you go to Columbus, who's been struggling this season, and you get popped because you're missing your stars. So that shows maybe their depth isn't as good and how much they truly rely on the playmaking ability of Almeida. For sure. Yeah, Look, sure. I'd say there's a lot of teams that are probably gonna be like, man, did not want this international break. And other teams like Columbus <laughs> are like, hell yeah, let's do it yep. again. You know, yep. True. Um, and we'll see, but yeah, so that's the first one. Um, like I said, I, I'm assuming the situation is good or as bad for every team as they can make it. Um, there's a lot of young players and, and, and depth players that got minutes that, you know, definitely would have. I know I look, I watched Minnesota United Danes away with Canada. Um, forget who's there right now, but he got to Clint go on Irwin. And- Clint Irwin, he absolutely trucked somebody actually, but he got to play 90 minutes and, and he got to step up. Right. So like I said, there's, there's opportunities, which is players you always want. So uh, anyway, six, one Columbus over Atlanta, this one was in Columbus and it just, you know, from the first moment, uh, 14th minute uh, Columbus gets it off. Uh, from there, they go up to nothing. They go up three, nothing. They go all the way up to five unanswered goals before letting gets the one back. And then sure enough in stoppage time, uh, Columbus was refusing to quit and absolutely put him to the sword with the sixth goal. Uh, yeah. Cody, I know, you know, Brad Guzan, uh, rough day out for the office for him, but how about Christian Ramirez and Columbus stepping up when an opportunity is given? Yeah. I mean, welcome back to 
MLS Christian Ramirez obviously scores two goals in his first start of the season. Um, it for me, it's just disappointing to see a player like Christian have to leave the league <laughs> and come back to get the opportunity that he truly deserves. Like, there's no reason that a young American, when he left, you know, arguably mid 20s, still considered young. So, a young American player has to leave the league to come back to the league to get one, his true value and two, an opportunity to play as a starting, uh, as a starting like goal scorer, you know, like that to me is crazy, but that's the way that the MLS works. Unfortunately. Do you think that that like compare, I'm just thinking in my experience in Europe, like, do you think that that happens everywhere in terms of like people aren't valued enough where they're at? and have to like leave and leave the team or kind of find it elsewhere? Or do you think that's highlighted more in MLS? It's definitely highlighted more in MLS, in my opinion, in my experience, just because having grown up, say in England, for me, English players are paid and valued and sought after. Look at the transfer fees for young English players. When I was at Southampton, you had three big names come through the academy. You had Luke Shaw, Callum Chambers, and James Ward-Prowse. James Ward-Prowse is now the captain of Southampton and was given a long-term deal at like 17 years old. Luke Shaw was given the same long-term deal and sold at 18 years old to Man United for over $30 million. And Callum Chambers was sold to Arsenal for $16 million at 18 or 19 years old. Do you think that's just for like for domestic players? Because it does seem like the the DPs, the TAMs are valued because you know they're they're targeted to bring into the league. And there is a sense that there's like a monopoly on domestic players. Like so they they don't have to yeah. I mean I get think the true value unless they can leave. Yeah. Uh, if you look at a majority of American players that are getting paid big money or or bigger money are guys that have gone overseas and come back to the league because MLS wants them back in MLS because they're American. But it's like, if you don't leave, (laughs) you don't get that money because you're disposable, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, unless you're, you're familiar, do- you're familiar, yeah. right? Like yeah, you're they familiar don't and- have to pay you more because you're already here and you're not mm-hmm. itching to leave. Like exactly. it's like a lot of us in the normal world, sometimes they get a promotion, you got to leave a company, but if you don't leave the MLS, then they're like, they kind of just got you in that salary pool that, you know, there's not a lot of wiggle room necessarily. Yeah. Unless I think you get to like a certain level, like, uh, like national senior national team, and then you have options like to go abroad For and sure. that's when i think you they're like okay we'll, we'll pay you up but even yeah. in my own experience like my first couple of years had a lot of success in the league and and right when i got my italian passport i literally signed a contract like two a new contract like two weeks later so it was like yeah. the minute i had leverage it's like okay we'll we'll pony up so i think that's that's what it seems to be the case of yeah leverage. and i think another example is like sean johnson you know sean is a his is a veteran MLS guy. And this year he got paid at Toronto because he was a free agent throughout 
you know, like an entire free agent. And I think what took him so long to sign in Toronto was the fact that he was deliberating between going abroad and making more money or going to Toronto and making a little bit more money than what he was doing in in New York. It was like, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? I don't want to stay in New York, but do I go abroad or do I go to Toronto? Yeah. That's, it's it's kind of it's interesting to to see what the the texture of that that all that is. Mm-hmm. Well, assumptions, uh, right? I'm I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. Again, you guys have a lot of experience. You have a lot of friends that have done contracts and and done negotiations and things. So, like, you know, you come from a place of general familiarity, which I I find fascinating. Um, if if we bring it back real quick to Columbus and Atlanta, it, it is one of those games where, uh, yeah, Columbus just caught Atlanta on a bad day for them. Um, the fact that they had an XG of two scored six good day for Columbus. Atlanta only got two shots off one on target versus Columbus's 15 with six on target. So it just, it was one of those, those days that just everything, uh, went their way. I would say a lot of the goals were pretty similar, right? Beat a man on the wing, get a cross in, uh, Columbus did a great job of having someone drive at the heart of the goal. They kind of sucked all the defenders in, then they would have a second runner coming in at the top of the box, but it, it just, you know, like I said, it was one of those days where everything kind of went Columbus's way, but again, Dylan, they were on the front foot. They would like take people on, they would touch and run. Um, and, and, uh, have you, I guess my question is, have you guys ever gotten in that point where it's just all clicking and you're like more, just more, I've got all the confidence in the world and Atlanta sitting there going, I can't get away with anything right now. I mean, I'm laughing. Cause I feel like we've, we've both been on both ends of those, you know, like, yeah. I've been on the end where, you know, everything's clicking, you score, you score an early goal and then boom, boom, boom. And it's just, it's just happy days. <laughs> but it also yeah. on the other side of it, it's like, you know, I've been on those when you're out there four nil and you're just running around and just like wanting the game to be over because it's like, we're, we're beaten. And I don't know the, the, the goal that for me that I was like, they're not in it today was I think the, maybe the third goal, it was a header, um, off a corner kick, I think, where it just didn't seem like the guy didn't even jump. He just kind of like, just knocked it in and Guzan just kind of hold his hands up. It's like, where are we, you know? And I think it seemed like one of those performances that they do happen. And maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a fluke or just a, a bad combination in the first few minutes that, that defeats a team. But man, that's, you could sense you could sense that's the game it was. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been there and it's tough, especially as a goalkeeper, because you can't impact anything in front of you. So whatever is whatever is happening in your in your 18 yard box is an absolute in in those situations is an absolute dumpster fire, because you know that no matter what you do, no matter how many saves you make, you're still going to concede four, five, six, seven, and they just keep coming. And you're just like, what? I I can't do anything. Like I can't change what's in front of me. And it's such a mind. That's why the psychology that is so hard because you're, you have to finish a game and you're like, I can't affect this. Yeah. And just like, you just have to suffer for, (laughs) you have to just pay the price for the next, till the the ref blows the whistle. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, and I've been in those situations 
several times having played for um i mean i can think of new england cincinnati uh i had one at vancouver last year i mean i played two games in a row back to back weekends atlanta away orlando away we conceded seven in, in atlanta we had two red cards in the first 15 minutes. We conceded seven in Atlanta. The next weekend we went to Orlando and lost six, six, one. Oh, we, had one red, we had one red card in the first minute, 13 goals in two games. And I'm brutal. sitting there like three red cards also in the, in 15 minutes could be concerning. Uh, oh, it was, it was. Yeah. <laughs> but it, what was funny is the same player, Xavier Kawasi got sent off in both games, but his red card in Atlanta had been rescinded. And then he went in and started in the Orlando game and got set off in the first 15 minutes. And That's we're sitting funny. there like, what is going on? Oh, he like earned an extra life in a video game and immediately just went balls out and yeah. then boom, yeah. like, yep, lost That's it. Exactly what. Yeah. She's like, no, but you I'm, know what? I felt bad. Like I really should have had that, uh, that suspension. So let yeah. me just go make it right. Yep. I mean, and honestly, I'm, I'm like 95% sure that, Jay Heaps, who was the manager at the time, got fired after that game and after that Orlando game in 2017. And the goalkeeping coach pulled me and was like, uh, we're not going to play you the rest of the year. He's like, you need a mental break. I was like, oh, my God. I was Dude, like, yeah. oh, my God. They're, they're tough organizations and teams. Like, it's yeah. It's. Just, I always think that the the response to them is maybe sometimes it's justified, but I think the response is not necessarily congruent with what's going on because I think they're a bit fluky, mm-hmm. and like things can just happen. Like if you like you mentioned expected goals too, they scored six. Like you can just get pounded up on sometimes, and and I think it's hard to not have like a, a severe response to that, but think sometimes you just kind of have to throw your hands up and be like you know what it just wasn't our day at the office like and just kind of let it pass through you yeah and w- and that's the thing is a lot of teams a lot of organizations a lot of coaches they don't see it like that no no hey let's not forget last week atlanta beat portland five to one and they were on the right side of it you know and yeah exactly. uh it seems like exactly. there's kind of been one of those standout ones two weeks ago was lafc four uh, New England nil. And then if I go back one more week, uh, yeah, no one really blitz. So they, there's a couple of like wild scores. This is the first one. Um, and so I, I, like I said, I think it'd be interesting, uh, to see how Atlanta bounces back. I'm sure they're not worried being international break, having some of their starters completely out, uh, to your point though, when they get back, it's gotta be back to the level that they were Just, yeah. like, this is crazy though. Like they, um, Columbus has shot up the table as well, just with this one result. And I know it's still early days. So teams are still pretty compressed, right? Like you like Montreal or last place in the East on three points and one win would take them up to like Philly and eight. So there's, it's very compressed table, but yeah. they also go up big on goal difference. I mean, they'd conceded eight going in well, seven going into this. Now they're plus three. So it completely kind of turns on the momentum. So we'll have to see if they, uh, continued to ride that fun wave or not. Um, but uh, we'll we'll have to see. The next one, though, and, and I think this was a bit of a surprise. Miami had some decent results early on. Then they kind of stumbled. Chicago out of the gate just stumbling, but they have immediately found 
both feet, a left and a right, and they beat Miami 3-2 on the road. Yeah. And now yeah. they're all of a sudden, if you look at the form guide, they're in a little bit of form, um, which is, I think, surprising us since they've uh, only lost one. They've got two draws and a win now. My yeah. question, Chicago, just as an organization, organization real quick, they don't have a sponsor. They have not sold a sponsor. I was on the Chicago Fire subreddit. Apparently, the team isn't really using the name Chicago or, or Fire as much as they can. What is going on with this franchise? Do we know? Dylan? <laughs> I have not. Uh, I've, it's not been on my radar, but now I'm kind of curious. Now I might I might have to send a few texts, see what, the, see what comes back. <laughs> I tell you, I'm just like... I know Nottingham Forest don't have a sponsor and I'm sure Columbus or Chicago are just trying to find the same one, but like they are called Chicago fire FC, but like I said, they don't have any Chicago or fire branding on the kit. They don't even have a sponsor. It kind of looks like they're a club team out there just smacking MLS teams in this one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The Chicago fire organization has the last five years been a little all over the place in terms of, rebranding at least once maybe twice no twice they went from like twice. the old school fireman chicago fire they had that super ugly oval yeah and now they've got kind of an updated version of their <sighs> old of their original one yeah right so they've rebranded twice in the last five years they've moved away from the map fray no from is, what was their old stadium? Oh, uh, Lincoln Field or Toyota? Yeah. Toyota. 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 So now they're at Soldier Field and they sell maybe 5,000 seats, tickets, 5,000 to 8,000 tickets in Soldier Field, which is 60 to 70,000. I mean, it's it's just such a difficult organization to be at. But this year... They started slow, like Brandon said. They found a little bit of form. I mean, beating a Miami team that has actually been pretty good. I was just thinking, you got me thinking about the the fire organization just in general. Like, I just feel <laughs> like it's disappointing. I feel like it's Chicago. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like they've been such a lackluster organization. And I don't know what's behind it. I, I, I know there's a lot that goes into these things, but like you almost feel like they'd be better off like closing the doors for a few years and then coming back in like with a new stadium downtown and <laughs> yeah. just like coming in as a new MLS franchise. Yeah. You know, imagine yeah. they came in as a new MLS yeah. franchise. It'd probably be huge. Yeah, it probably would be. You're right. Which yeah. sucks because I mean, they're OG MLS, right? They are. I mean, we're talking MLS 96. Uh, and they, they been were a there. good organization for a number of years. Yeah. There, without yeah. a doubt. I, so I was on the Reddit. The fans are really like back and forth on, I think, the organization as a whole. Uh, you know, for them, they're saying our best player, Navarro, is out. Both of our DPs have had a lot of injuries. Torres, Shakiri are out. And they're still like kind of slowly progressing. We've got a young goalkeeper. I think they just played a, a couple of like kids in this game as well. So if there are some potential upsides to the disorganization is potentially young players coming through, um, you know, starting to fight. Obviously, Kai Kamara is a vet getting the game winner in the 90th plus two with a tidy finish. Um, but this was just a punch for punch game that somehow Chicago came out on top. Uh, you know, like I said, I think it was uh, fire score first. They actually go up two. 
uh, Miami gets or fights back to even. Um, and when we have to see, I'm, uh, just really happy to see that, uh, Neville's son got some minutes again today. Well, my, yeah. I'm, I mean, again, that goes to the, uh, conversation we had last week. The nepotism is fascinating. There's so much of it in, in us soccer and in major league soccer that it's, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Um, Someone can write a book on it. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. 100%. <laughs> I mean, we like last week we touched on Michael Bradley getting his men's national team debut when Bob was in his first stint as the head coach. And mm -hmm. it's like, there's a prime example. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but for me, this one, really bad defending from Miami on all three goals. Um, I love DeAndre Yedlin. He's a very good friend. I played years. I played with him for years in the U.S. youth national teams. However, the first and second goals are bad defending on the back post. That's an understatement, Cody. Tehran touched the ball three times within eight yards of the goal, and no one could get around him. And after miss, misfiring his yeah. cross and it popping back to him, he absolutely roofed it near post. Yeah. Like <laughs> The fact he had that much time and opportunity in the box, is, it's just it's an, it's yeah. bad. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, let me correct myself. Goals one and three come from DeAndre's side. So they're DeAndre's bombing forward, which I'm sure he's been told to do as the right back under Phil Neville. Um, but doesn't get back. And if he's not getting back, there obviously has to be cover from somewhere. So that's a miscommunication somewhere along the lines. And yeah, I'm just watching now. It's like there's, there's no the organization behind the ball was, was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I love Deandre, but he has to do a better job of tracking back or communicating to someone to cover him. If he's going forward. Yeah. He was, so, he was so high up when the ball got played. I think either he's got to tuck in as the ball's being played or like, or he's got to like, somebody has to cover mm -hmm. for him. Cause I don't think he's getting back in like, yeah. From that position. Yeah. It's actually, I mean, I, one of my favorite topics that I don't get, think it's discussed enough is the shape behind the ball in the attack. And like, it's, it just shows you like, it's such a, like a mechanical thing. Like if it's not done properly, like goals happen, just like this goal, this Chicago goal, the transition goal. It's like, yeah. if you don't like, as, as our, our gaffer says now, like, like if you, if you leave the house, lock the door. And I think yeah. that's actually pretty, it's pretty good. If you, if you lock it up and have really sensible shape, like and organize it, you're probably not going to get scored on in transition. Like, yeah. but the thing is, it's hard to kind of organize when you're kind of doing both. So that's, yeah. that's why it happens. It's, that's yeah. what happens. it's hard to focus on anyway. And Atlanta got caught out on that. They're backside defending and like they're runners. They would, they, it, I've seen, we've seen this actually quite a bit in the league is, a team will overcommit to one side or commit too deep into their box. They don't have uh, the, those layers because I think they get a little bit too tunneled on what the first and maybe second most dangerous threat is. And they don't realize that there's half the field behind them mm -hmm. and to try to maybe like play it in the middle a little bit. And, uh, you know, that happened obviously with the third one where, you know, Kai Kamara wide open on the backside and a perfectly weighted ball for Kai to step into it and finish. And uh, that's yeah. exactly what he did. Yeah. 37 years young. I might add this Ooh. guy. Stop. He has stop. been 
Yeah. I mean, living the life, keeping the dream alive. Yeah, I had to, when I realized it was him, I had to like blink a few times to see if it wasn't like somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you ever play with Kai? Uh, no, I didn't no. play just against okay. him. Okay. Problem. Just against him. Tough to play against huh? him. Yeah. It's tough to play against for play sure. Against, uh, for center backs, it's just a nightmare. Yeah. I agree. So that, that's, that's Chicago's first win of the season. Uh, Miami yep. are four, three, or I'm sorry, two, three, and oh. So they're a little bit higher in the table. They're they're above the uh, the playoff line where where yeah. I think that there's probably that's going to be their objective for the season is just qualify. Uh, but we'll have to see. Uh, I'm going to try to not let my bias go against Phil Neville and all the good lads at at Miami because we want to see him succeed. All right, we're got to take a break because, Cody, we got friends, and uh, you want to tell people about your friends. So Owen's back, aren't they, but a different product. Um, Own is back, and this is uh, cold brew coffee. It is a great way to start your morning, 20 grams of plant protein, 5 grams net carbs, and 6 grams of fiber. Honestly, one of my favorite ways to start my day uh, going into a, a gym workout gives me the caffeine kick that I need and the added protein that my body so desperately desires. Is it a protein shake flavored with coffee, or is it cold brew with a ton of protein in it? That's a great question, and I think you're asking the wrong person. Well, I suppose if there's caffeine in it, it's probably cold brew. But anyways, I think a lot of us drink coffee and stuff like that. 20 grams of protein is no joke. Uh, that's a great way to start your day or before workout uh, with a protein-packed uh, you know, drink. So check it out. Link in the description, as always. Uh, save a little bit if you use Cody's code, uh, which will be right there as well. Anyways, back to the show. Uh, and it, here's a here's a fun one. Uh, Kansas City at home one, Seattle, aka Jordan Morris four. Yeah, this is the Jordan Morris show. Four goals on the night, and is actually leading the Golden Boot race with seven goals. He's had a couple multi goal games that has really mm-hmm. propelled him. Uh, yeah, up there. Oh. Yeah, man. Seattle is such a like. I think that's the team I've fallen in love with the most over the last four or five years. And one of my good friends, Shane O'Neill, was playing there um, in twenty twenty, maybe twenty twenty one, or maybe eighteen to twenty. And I just so I watched a lot of their games, and man, they're just such an impressive franchise. And oh, Schmetzer just, has them so well drilled. Oh, it's, it's, it's really, it's, you have to, you have to tip your cap to them because to do it so consistently and to have, there's, it's seemingly, there's a real organizational belief and expectation that just gets carried through. And that's not easy to one set up or maintain. And they, they do. And that's like, you have to tip the cap. And, And Jordan Morris has been a part of that. And like, in every time I think like, I feel like I've, I've wanted to write him off for some reason, but man, he's just such an impressive player. He's, he is. He is, especially coming back from an ACL injury, which he then re-tore because he, he blew out his yeah. ACL. Yeah. yeah, He tore it, I think, in his first game or second game back and goes through that whole mental, I mean. Yeah. Tough. Yeah, uh, it, it's tough, and he comes back stronger and continues to prove people wrong. Yeah, look, a lot of us national team fans were really upset when he went to MLS right away, when he had offers to go to Europe. He's continuously put himself in the conversation this season, which 
you have to respect that that many different national team camps and coaches have brought him in. Um, but I definitely think he uh, gets a hard ride uh, by a lot of men's national team fans. I won't say whether it's the fair weather, or the hardcore ones, but he definitely has to try harder. And I think if you just look at it from Jordan's perspective, again, to come back from a serious injury and to just be clicking, he's got the the frosted tips. You can tell he's in a good mood. We'll see if he can continue this. But yeah. at the end of the day, if Americans players are at a high level and doing the best that they possibly can, that's only a good thing. And so you yeah. have to sometimes fine tune your thing and don't like enjoy, like be happy for him because that increases the U.S.'s profile and our chances for success as well, because striker is a bit of a position that is lacking in the U S men's national team. And if he can flex between wing and center forward and find ways to be, look, I think it was his second goal where he was off sides and he had the awareness to pull himself back on before he finished and opened up. That is instinctual. And, and that's, that's a really, really good thing to see uh, for, for him and what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. And this brings me back to the conversation that we had about strikers at the world cup. And the fact that he was one of those players that was not given a fair shake, in my opinion, during that time frame, because Did he come we on? didn't. He came on on the wing once. Yeah, the first game because he the came on. Game. He came out of arena and everyone threw a fit. Yeah, we did, we already discussed that whole topic. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember it from Twitter, unfortunately, but yeah, yeah. He, had, he had limited minutes, but he had, he had a roll off the bench, but it, it goes, his form now goes to argue why he wasn't given an opportunity then. Yeah. And maybe he wasn't in form and that happens. <clears throat> However, you look at his form and you're going, I mean, he couldn't have been that far off of it. I also wonder though, like how how much of his form is is just the the familiarity of uh, of Seattle, you know, and and the players yeah. around him. Like his connection with Lodiero is inc- like they have they have it's unbelievable. Something. I mean, they've been yeah. together for I don't know how many years now, but I think I see him as a different player. And I you know I haven't watched him enough through with the national team to to be honest, but I see him as a different player with Seattle. I think he's mm-hmm. he's he's a bit of an unconventional guy, but I think. Uh, has very effective. Has a real talent to score goals. I mean, I was also yeah. very impressed with that second goal, getting himself back on sides. But yeah. it's not easy to like score goals year after year after year. And I think he he does have this instinctual ability to be in the right spot a little bit. And I, I am. Yeah. So, I agree. So Seattle also they had six players out on in international duty. Kansas City had one. You had Ariega, you had Baker Whiting, you had Nuhu, you had Roldan, Rui Diaz, and Vargas all out on international duty for Seattle. Yeah. Talk about and depth. Three or point. four of those guys are starters. Yeah, I can tell you who was the happiest person on the day was Leo Chu, who had a hat trick of assists. He was a joke. Yeah. Dude, he had some tricky feet and created a few. Yeah. His, his first ball in the first goal was really nice. And it's, yeah, it's it's good to see. Like, we, we might have discussed this off- um, beforehand, but like to see these young players get opportunity, but then also like the, the depth of the organization. And yeah, again, it speaks to like Seattle, like they have this culture, they have this identity that doesn't matter who's, who's playing. It's like, we expect to win. And yeah. And that carried, 
carry forward in the international grid. I agree. Yeah. And I think it, it it goes to show that last year was a one-off year for them because they had so many injuries and all those injuries yeah. just stacked up against them yeah. at the wrong yeah. time yeah. because so, they didn't go out and sign that many different players. They, I think they signed maybe one or two different players this year or sorry, one or two new players. And the one that I can think of is uh Hey bear from New York city who they signed as a number nine as support play to yeah. Rui Diaz yeah. because he had his fair share of injuries last year. So they needed depth at the number nine position. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's not like they added seven or eight new faces to the organization. Um, yeah. I can help you real quick on that. Um, oh, I got to go to transfers. Anyways, uh, what I also say is this goes all the way back to Siggy Schmidt. He set mm. this freaking organization up for the longest success ever. And they've been able to maintain but him being there for so long, and obviously Brian Schmetzer now being there quite a long time as well, what Seattle brings to the table is consistency. Like Siggy got him set up, and then they've just made minor tweaks and changes. To your point, Cody, Aver uh, came in as a 31-year-old Brazilian from NYCFC. Jacob Castro uh, was a free transfer from San Diego State, 22-year-old. Uh, there's a Norwegian guy that came in from Kentucky through the draft, another draft guy a 19 year old and a 24 year old. Right. Like, but again, those aren't names that are playing every week. No, that's, so, the, that's exactly it. It's one player. You got one, two, one player, three college kids, someone from Tacoma, the MLS next pro, and then a USLC player. Which they also do a good job. They do a good job of integrating that. The, the they, they really, they challenge those guys. They, they're in first team training. They give them opportunities when they can. So that's also a part of it is like, a strong youth and it's you know it's, it's not like you see these players like i guess you know not too many come through and become like regular you know starters but it does happen and i feel like it's that's having the youth as kind of the lifeblood of the organization also is they've set up a really good and i'm so impressed with what they've done and asking shane about like you know why why is it why is it like that and it's like he said they're just like there's no explanation to it really it's just like we're the sounders you know this is yeah we need to win and there's an expect there's a really competitive expectation for winning it sounds like and mm -hmm. it gets, so when you got in your organization to a point where like you don't have to like you just say this is who we are and and there's a that's that's and, not easy and everybody everybody on the team believes it too and it's been like that for a decade i mean how rare is that in sports yeah like, i agree uh, i mean you can think of maybe one or two organizations throughout the last 25 30 years in every sport that has been yeah. like that like yeah. you think about one or two yeah you could you could say the new england patriots in the nfl you could maybe argue like the the Lakers dynasty or the Celtics dynasty in the NBA. Um, yeah. And what, maybe the Blackhawks during a five-year period in NHL? It's, it's hard. Sports are competitive. And to be consistent like that, I remember when they knocked Minnesota out in the playoffs, I think they scored three goals in, the, in like 
maybe one or two in the last 10 minutes. And then they scored the game winner in stoppage time. Like Minnesota yeah. was cruising two nothing and Seattle just came back. and was like, nah, we're not going to go out like this. We're good. Yeah. And they just broke them down. Well, I can tell you some, when I played there in 2017, it was my first time ever playing in Seattle. We were up three zero on, on Seattle, man. They gave in you a lead and we conceded and they came back tied three, three with 15 minutes to go. And uh, they, <laughs> they never stopped believing. And that's the thing that makes their organization different is like you said, Dylan, they expect to win and being three zero down, as you know, is not an easy feat to overcome in this league. It seems and like we walked out of that game. Like we'd lost because we were just, we didn't know what hit us. It seems like the fans don't quit on the team either. It seems like the no. fans and the players are mm -hmm. on the same page, Dylan. I, I mean, do you get that vibe? Like when you guys have to play there, you're like, will you shut up? Like Ooh. we're winning. Totally, give us, a, give, give us yeah, a break. They know what's coming. It's because they know what's coming. It's like, yeah. okay. Like, and you, yeah. you definitely feel that you definitely. Yeah. Feel that. 100%. And, and they feed the team. Totally. Their belief, their constant belief feeds that or feeds those players on the field it's amazing all right um i do just have to bring this up on the flip side guys sporting okay. kansas city are bad yeah no matter how you twist it no matter what stats you want to look at uh i'm sorry i was going to say seattle <laughs> has created the highest xg with 10.2 and they've scored 10 so they are absolutely clinical if they create changes they score them um sporting kansas city on the other side are just they're just at the bottom um, yeah. they're underperforming their XG. They're at the bottom of the table for goal, uh, chances created in 90 minutes. It's just, it's not clicking. They had their injuries last year. Vermees signed his contract. I don't know, Dylan. I mean, Casey, their legacy team as well. They, you know, they have a great stadium. They have great fans. I mean, geez, they got a world cup venue slot, but from their hometown side, it's just, it is not clicking for them. Yeah. I don't know exactly what's going on behind closed doors. Um, but I think, you know, I'm just thinking back to their days and like, you know, when did they win the cup? Do you guys remember 2013? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and in some of the teams they produced in that era were, you know, very, really impressive. And there, there was a feel of this, like what we were just talking about with Seattle, like yes, there was collective belief, a fan, a fan belief, and and that was definitely like apparent when you when you played them and and I think a big part of that was continuity uh, of players. They had a core of players that they built around, and and maybe it's just that wave that they had of golden players ha has you know gone away, and they yeah. haven't really found that right chemistry of core players to kind of take you know take the torch on. That that would be my kind of narrative from the outside. I don't know what it's like right now behind closed doors if there's been anything with ownership or you know, in the front office, but that's, that's what it seemed like to me. Burmese is the yeah. steady hand there, you know, so they at least have had that consistency. Yeah, yeah. But when, and, and he has earned the right, I think to kind of get a slap on the wrist here, a slap on the wrist there and second or third opera, second or third chance to kind of bring them out of the ashes. Yeah. That said, yeah. I think that they are really in that position where, you might have to start looking at 
making a change because that might be what ticks the organization on yeah. Yeah. from where they are. And yeah. we've had that discussion before, Brandon, where a change in manager turns an organization around. Well, that might be expensive because on the 22nd of February, he signed an extension through 2028. So uh, that might wow. come back to bite yeah. them. Yeah. I think it is fair to say that Sweat got his uh, two two cautions uh, in 10 minutes. Uh, they were sloppy tackles. So, you know, having to play Donna Man against Seattle for 30 minutes, probably a rough day out. Um, but yeah. it actually, um, you know, it, it just even after that they got two more goals so that definitely opened up for a team as good as them uh last one up gentlemen real salt lake zero st louis four st louis are undefeated what the hell is going on wow. five games played five wins 15 goals for four goals against plus 11 uh absolutely running away with it no i only tease uh but look they're top of the table uh, uh as far as form uh which surprisingly new england is behind them new england is four for five um i don't know what to say about them like i keep waiting for something to happen but it doesn't they are overperforming their xg massively as well they've got 14 goals off 8.3 xg um it's just clicking. Everything's clicking. They play everything. Old school four four two. Dylan, uh, the the oh my gosh, I've forgotten his name. Their striker. He just Jao everything. Klaus. Klaus just everything he touches goes in. They've had the most yeah. goals from inside the box, and that's the thing is they're making it easy on themselves. They're creating high, uh, you know, high efficient chances to to score, and they're doing the business. How surprised are you by St. Louis? I'm. I mean, no one would have expected five and five and oh for any, for, you know, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. And I think, is, did you say it's a, a league record? Yeah. Four and oh was uh, MLS history, MLS league record. So now five and oh, they are, you know, running, they're setting new standards. I, I'm going to go with beginner's luck, honestly. I, I think, I yeah. think it might be a case of this. And actually, you know what? My book, both my parents are St. Louisians and all my extended families there. So I might get some slack for saying that, but I do know that like, it's been very special sounding like for the city and a lot of the the locals there are really behind the team. And he said, you know, I was talking to my uncle for the opener. He said, or their home opener and said it was just electric in there. And he's like this, he's like the, he's like the city has been waiting for this for decades. Yeah. And so there's, there's that behind it. St. Louis is a soccer hit like legacy town. You got Scott Gallagher, you had Bush, you got plenty of players that came there. They're like old school mafia soccer town <laughs> in St. Louis. <laughs> and the fact that it's taken them this long to get a franchise, uh, the what I would say, Cody, is you think about the longevity. Like St. Louis, they're uh, Minnesota struggled. Cincinnati struggled, right? There's teams that have come into league and gotten waxed for like two years. Not St. Louis. They they are going to get around the curve so much quicker. Sponsors are going to come in more, more ticket sales. People are going to want to come in from a community level. And this is only going to make them a more successful organization in the long run. 100%. That said, I would argue the fact that they had the 
they had an infrastructure, a pre-existing infrastructure in what was their uh, USL organization, Dylan? Uh, St. Louis FC. St. Louis FC. They, they had a pre-existing... added city when they came to the MLS. I guess, um, yeah. But isn't it a different? It was a different organization. I thought it was a different organization. So they, but they like had a pre-existing infrastructure and then essentially closed that down and brought in St. Louis city SC for one year in MLS next. And they were signing players in advance of that uh, first year. And they were playing these guys or having them, they were playing them in the MLS next pro, which last year and, and, or they had them on loan in first divisions in Europe. So like Jao Klaus was on loan, I believe in Belgium last year. Roman Berkey was playing in MLS Next Pro last year. And it's like they had this infrastructure and carried it into this year. And I think that that is That's smart. For, for any expansion team coming in, I think you're going to see a, a change now because a lot of organizations before that didn't do that and they struggled. Yeah, I think I, I didn't I didn't really put that together, but that does it, it makes a lot of sense why why you would do that. And there's just there's a little bit of continuity of, of personnel. Like if I know my coach for a year, or mm-hmm. if I know you know, if I know my teammate, even if I'm not playing with him, like I I, I think there's a lot to be said for for that. And I'm yeah. I'm happy and for him, honestly. I think it's I think yeah. it's good for the league, have good expansion teams. Absolutely. Well, it makes it more competitive and it really boasts the fact of potential owners or like owners or um, businessmen that are interested or ownership groups that are interested in bringing other expansion teams into the league, making it like more enticing to them because they're seeing the instant success that an expansion side is having. And it's like, Oh, well maybe I can do that. Yeah. Now you're going to get an influx of, of, potential uh ownership groups or owners whatever you want to however you want to phrase it going okay well i'll i'll put in 350 million dollars to bring in a franchise yeah. <laughs> mls where do i sign on the dotted line show me and build a stadium it's crazy they play yeah. at they play at minnesota so is that maybe, their next game yeah maybe i'll see if i can snag some tickets because my yeah. wife's out of town so cody there you uh, go got a hookup let me know um that kind of not for you i could do some in the stadium reporting for this high quality podcast jeez about the listeners <laughs> but the, but then they go away to seattle right oh i'm sorry no they're home to minnesota so i'm out uh but then they go away to seattle and then a, and then at home to cincinnati so to be fair you you're gonna find out real quick since you at the top seattle near, at the top there yeah. we're gonna know real quick I mean, I think I think if anything, they go six and zero, and then I think it's a it's a uphill battle those next two games. Yeah. We could be talking about a different narrative in October about how they yeah. came out of the top <laughs> and just yeah, yep, and plummeted. I mean, and it could happen. 
Look, their yeah. locker room, I think you said beginners like them. Their locker room, they have to be just like high off of like the euphoria of being four and oh five and oh and then potentially right like I wish I was in, in that locker room right now <laughs> in, their, in their mind they're probably like we can't do anything wrong you know they're not going to change anything and no one's sitting there going coach i should be getting minutes everyone's like nah sit down like copy paste uh yeah. don't even don't even mess with it uh minnesota they're undefeated although they're two wins two draws so it's kind of like a eh are you really though um it, yeah They've got to just run this hand, this hot hand as far as they can. Um, and to your point, once something happens, okay, how do you respond? What happens if you lose a player to injury? Because right now they probably use the fewest players in all of MLS this season because why yeah. change? Yeah. That said, they do have eight different goal scorers. Mm -hmm. So it's not like Zhao Klaus or Strude is scoring every goal for them. Stroud, Stroud, just every um, other. It's yeah, every other exactly. But I don't know. I mean, shows some depth, shows some continuity, some team camaraderie. I don't know. It's uh, I mean, they've they've done it right. All right. That said, can we talk about RSL? Yeah, yeah. You had Crylock. Um, you know, as one of your players to watch this season, all he's done is committed. Uh, cautionable offense after cautionable offense <laughs> yeah. unfortunately yeah. um they i don't know where you want to go with them because i don't have a <clears throat> lot to like stand on them i mean they they're below the line they're in 10th in the in the west they're for uh what are they four games played one win three losses and they're at a negative six goal difference i mean they are at the bottom of the pool trying to figure out what's going to happen yeah i mean Dylan and I were talking about this yesterday, last night, and how difficult of a place Salt Lake is to play. So it even magnifies St. Louis's ability to win there. That said, I think the offensive struggles that RSL are seeing is real is fascinating because they had Bobby Wood. They had Sergio Cordova and they let both of them go for free this past off season and didn't sign anybody. And that raises big question marks about the organization's commitment to winning games. Decision-making squad management. They've lost yeah. both their games at home. Austin beat them two one last week, Dylan, but uh, just give us an idea. Isn't Salt Lake stadium like way out of town and, yeah, I mean it's not it's not like uh, the sweetest atmosphere. Like it's a cool enough, <laughs> nice enough stadium, but like yeah, you know it's 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 a bit family friendly. The supporters are a bit ruthless. Like the small supporter contingents are a bit ruthless and mean. <laughs> but I feel like there's not this like crazy atmosphere. But it is hard to win there. Like I played with the Rapids for four and a half years, and we I don't think we ever won there, and the team hadn't won there ever prior to that and i i feel like they're they do have that to their advantage and normally you don't see this type of thing happen but to your point about the goals yeah it's like you can't like you're letting letting that talent go and thinking it's going to replace itself in, yeah. in somebody else yeah as people can step up but at the same time like you need some proven goal scores in your track record and and yeah. also pablo you know i played for pablo for four years he 
he's a defensively he's a genius, but he's he has struggled, I think, to to produce teams that score goals. That's yeah. he's he's very defensive focused, and I learned so much from him on the game in general and in, in that side yeah. of the ball. But like I think his teams have been a bit. I don't know if it's I don't know what they're lacking, but I think it's it's definitely showing up. Yeah, I, I would agree. I actually played. He was the assistant manager during my time at Houston, and I would say the same thing that I learned so much from him. His uh, his ability to read the game is bar bar none. I mean, it's it's incredible, and what he's able to communicate to you and help you understand is is amazing. However, I think you know as a head coach he has struggled to score goals and to win games, but his teams don't concede a lot of goals. No. So. Yeah. He gets you buying into that. And like, yeah, even that, because it's true. I mean, clean sheets do like do win games and, but, but you need to have the, you need to be able to rely, rely on uh, some goals to be scored to, for for the clean sheets to really, you know, pay, pay their dividends. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, just to touch on Pablo too, though, like I think he's he is a fascinating human being for one, but yeah. just like he's he's un, he's an unconventional coach, and I think he he um, I think he's just got a way of communicating very nuanced things that you end up kind of because he thinks in these terms, like he's kind of very very with it and very detailed in how he thinks and and great thought process but it his communication style is really uh really something that is interesting and i end up i always hear his voice a lot when i'm playing like yeah. just like little things like baller man like or yeah just like you know, little little adages that you just don't forget so i think he's got that he's got that mastermind in him in that sense yeah and that's what made him such a great player exactly I mean, for so many years yeah so yeah, Pablo Mastroeni, just to clarify in case anyone is out there, uh, like myself, who is not on a first name basis with Pablo, like these two. Um, long, long time MLS player, to your point, they have the lowest XG created in the league with four, right? They've they've conceded wow. and then on the flip side, to your point, that they don't give up on the other side. So, you know, minus six right now on the goal difference. You know, they've scored three, given up nine. So unfortunately the offensive side is not working for them either. I'll yeah. be it five and three or five, five goals and four. And then you get blitzed by uh, a hot St. Louis. It's just going to be a tough season for them to, to kind of turn around and see what they're going to do. Um, you know, to you guys' point, a little bit of squad management is tough, but um, they, uh, they won their opener away to Vancouver and it's just been lost, lost, lost since, which actually puts them, almost at the bottom of the, of the form table, but don't worry. Colorado's there. Sorry, Dylan. They are <laughs> dead last. Yeah. Colorado's um, yeah. What, what else I was going to say, just as far as the league overall, like as we got through game week five uh, in the East, new England is in first, uh, not a lot of expectations no. for them going into this season. They're in first Cincinnati, second Atlanta, third Orlando, fourth. I'm going to pause there. Cody, you have roots at New England. What's going on, man? They they they're four one and zero all of a sudden. I mean, their first two games were Charlotte and Houston, so uh, I'm I'm gonna 
wait until we get 10, 15 games into the season, and then we'll have this discussion because I think they will be in a very different spot. Um, that said, well, their next game is New York City FC at home and Montreal at oh. home. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, those are two games that they should win too. So I don't know. We'll see. I think if those are their first, if those, what? Their first two games, and then these are the next, their next two games, they should be taking 12 points from those games, from those four, in my opinion. Because they they are that good. They can be that good. However, I don't think that they have the the depth to do it the entire season. Fair. Uh, Dylan, since he's second, Atlanta third, Orlando fourth, any surprises or expectations? Um, no, I mean, I'm always... I've definitely been impressed with Philly like over the years, their consistency to to stay stay towards the top. And I think once it seemed like a kind of a they flipped a switch at some point with with Jim Curtin, like or kind of really started to understand like, you know, pay the dividends of him being there for a while. And since they've done that, it's like I mean, I remember going to play them even back in I don't know, eighteen, nineteen and like just starting to see that come to fruition and it's like damn this is a good yeah i don't know what it's like off the field but like on the on the field product they're putting on a really good product right now and and now i think there's like that collective they know it too i think they know it yeah there's a confidence about that organization that i'm not surprised um to see them in, in that position yeah i think right now i i think they've struggled the last couple of weeks however i don't think that that's gonna last I, I jim Curtin is too good of a coach they have too good of players to not be able to turn the ship around right now they've obviously started started slow and that that happens to organizations but I have every confidence that they will be back to the organization that ended the season last year. And they'll be fighting for not only the supporter shield, but MLS cup. So uh, obviously Andre Blake, it's groin injuries out till mid April tentatively. They only had five players on the bench. So they had one, two, three, four, four extra slots. And so I was like, well, that's kind of wild. And the Orlando game, but, they did have um, seven players off on international duty. So apparently they felt it was better to keep the, the MLS two guys there, let them play their game versus play on the bench. So that could probably go into it a little bit uh, on the, on the West though. Um, St. Louis, obviously in first Seattle, second LAFC, third Minnesota, fourth, a bit of an interesting top four, obviously St. Louis and Minnesota surprising people, Seattle, LAFC, not so much. I I'd assume. Yeah. I think, uh, watching LAFC highlights back yesterday was, it's kind of, um, you know, they have a lot of talent and they can, they've kind of showed that they're a premier organization in this league and, you'd expect to kind of see them there um, going forward. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think they, even though they may not be the most explosive or the most loved 
organization in the league. I think they are very um very clinical. Like they find a way to win. Yeah. That's true. And yesterday I I don't think they were special. They I don't think they deserved to win, but they found a way to win. And good teams, championship winning teams find a way to win in those moments and in those types of games. Yeah. It helps when uh, Dallas gets a straight red in the 35th minute and they have the rest of, of the course. game to play up a man. Um, but you know, it was one, one in the 73rd minute, 73rd minute Dallas getting the equalizer uh, and yeah. Mwanga getting the game winner at the 84. So clearly they were still able to, to push through and get it. But um, yeah, a lot of cautions in, in this one. Yeah. I will also say there was a lot of uh, VAR in this game too. Um the FC Dallas goal in the first half was called back for goalkeeper obstruction. Uh, Tumasi had a yellow card that was overturned into the red card. And then a penalty was awarded after the referee used the pitch side monitor, mm. which Vela missed. So it was a, I don't know, it was a drama filled game. And I think VAR got a lot of those decisions, right? We continue to see it uh, and see it a lot. Um, so anyways, that that's kind of where it shakes out. Like I said, there are some surprises waiting to see some teams show up. We're only five weeks in, right? We got a long, long ways to go, yes. um, but it is fun to kind of see uh, where, where people stand. So 28 more game weeks to go. Uh, <laughs> Dylan, appreciate you stepping in and joining us for this one. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. Fun chatting, guys. Good, uh, good, good topics. And it's fun to kind of, you know, break it down. Yeah. I'm sure since, uh, you're, you're local with Cody, we'll have you on again. Uh, definitely, which would be fun. Uh, Cody is always, uh, appreciate you making time in your, I think busy schedule. I don't know. I haven't really heard much from you except I did see you wearing a jacket in training in Southern California. Well, um, Dylan can attest to this. It has been cloudy, very Cloudy and rainy the last, I mean, I've only been here two weeks and I've heard the last three months have been pretty heavy and pretty. Yeah. So um, the only reason you see me in a rain jacket is because one, we've been on turf two out of four days a week and two, it has been pissing down with rain. So that's just not very tough. I wasn't sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. He was in shorts and a t-shirt. Actually, he was, in a, he was in a cutoff in shorts. It's Cali. Hey, when you play a 4-1, <laughs> and you're the only one in between lines, you got to have that warrior mentality, Dylan. Damn right. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back with more. Uh, reminder, the U.S. men's national team are playing during the breaks. So we'll try to catch some of that. Otherwise, we'll be back uh, with uh, Game Week 6 reviews. So anyways, if you would, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Help get the word out. Otherwise, we'll be on social media throughout the week, posting clips. Until next time, take care, have fun.